I like to use um, AI, I say, as, as you kind of use salt. Hey, everyone. Today we're talking with Julian Cole. Julian is a strategist that has worked for some of the biggest brands in the world, and he now runs his own strategy finishing school. We talk about AI. Yes, I know. There's a lot of AI stuff out there. But Julian has a, an interesting and nuanced take on the AI thing. It's not that it's taking over, but you can use AI as a sidekick in your research, in your presentations, in your insight gathering. So buckle up and let's talk branding. This podcast is sponsored by Creative Business Company, but more on that later. Yeah, love that. Well, what prompted this conversation, and that's pun intended, of course, is that I saw you talking about AI uh, and strategy on, on Twitter. And, you know, this AI thing has blown up. But I wanted somebody that could talk about it in really in the context of, of strategy. And, and I think your work has always been nuanced and, and has a lot of depth. So, so I think this will be very fascinating to hear how you leverage AI in your work. And maybe let's, let's start with the elephant in the room. Do you think AI will take our jobs? <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't think it can. Um, mm-hmm. I think there is too much nuance to what we do and to try to compress it all into kind of a machine where you input something and then output comes out has just not worked. I haven't seen that work. And I think it requires a human, human nuance. So I don't think that it will replace our job. I think it will replace a lot of the things we do in our job, uh, especially on the the junior end of kind of doing competitor research or pulling data or, you know, designing slides. I think there's definitely a role that it can play there. And I almost like the idea of it being a hitting partner, someone that you kind of throw something to, it hits back some suggestions and then you go again. One of the biggest challenges in my own career has always been to convince business leaders that brand is one of the most important assets in their company. And even though dozens of studies have shown that getting the right strategic positioning can get you a 5x performance on your ads, sometimes convincing executives to prioritize their brand strategy can be challenging. That's why this episode is sponsored by Creative Business Company, a strategic consultancy on a mission to make brand more accountable and more effective. They take the lessons they've learned from over a decade of experience of working with brands such as Morningstar, Shell and Formula E and adapt them to smaller, fast-growing companies to help them get more attention, convert leads and drive sales. So if you're trying to get budget for brand, create messaging that converts or lower your cost of acquisition, check out creativebusinesscompany.com for ideas, evidence, and tools that will help you make an impact. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. Like, how did you start with this? Because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new frontier. There is not any uh, rules on, on how to play with it. Like, what was, were your first experiences? And maybe what was the moment where you realized, like, hey, this is actually something valuable? So I think obviously my focus has been with the strategy finishing school of how do I teach strategists how to do the job of strategy? And 
one of the things was, was I always wanted to keep it sharp and relevant and I'm always updating content in there. And with AI coming along, I definitely saw it as an area that a lot of strategists were starting to speak about. And I wanted to see if there was any way that it could help a strategist's job. And the, the number one complaint I always get in the strategy finishing school as well is that strategists don't have enough time. So I'm always looking to create time-saving documents. And so here was something people were talking about in that way. My first experience of AI was probably like a lot of people being like, oh my God, this thing could be so powerful. And then uh, you get a few results back and you're like, oh, look at this. It's so fast. And then you're like, hang on a minute. This isn't good. This is actually quite crappy. Uh, You know, especially if you start asking pretty direct questions. And I was a little disenfranchised when I saw that. So I think the one that a lot of people probably talk about is like, if you go insert brand, what is an insight for this brand? Um, And the results are very underwhelming. And I kind of stopped there for about a week or two and was just like, okay, this isn't going to be helpful. And then I came back to it because I was thinking about the way that I teach a number of, I don't know, uh, lessons in the strategy finishing school and one of the the big ones is around insights and so to start everyone on the same page of how i see an insight it's um a remarkable kind of truth um an unconventional way to look at something so it's something that we're seeing in everyday life everyone agrees that this is the way that we usually see it and then you expose a new way of looking at that problem and they've, they've got to be related to a consumer problem. So an insight does one of two things. It either reveals a new solution or it reframes the problem. And so one of the techniques that I've got in the um, in the strategy finishing school is this thing called an insight flip, where what you do is you ask people for the um, commonly held beliefs or cliches about that category. And so people will list them out of what's, you know, commonly held beliefs. And then what I ask them to do is flip that. I say, tell me the exact opposite of that statement. And then it comes back with all these weird sayings that don't sound like they should be true. And then finally you go, could this be true for that brand? And I thought to myself, hang on a minute. I think um, chat GPT at least could do this. So I put in a number of requirements. I was saying, tell me what are the cliches about hotel environment, uh, about hotels. Yeah. And, you know, it's like all the cliches of really bad advertising, like um, luxury accommodation that, you know, all these things. One of them was uh, a place that feel a place, another place that feels like home. And then that was a really interesting one because then I asked it reverse that sentence and it said, a place that feels nothing like home. And uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was thinking about Hilton Hotels and I was thinking, actually, Hilton could own that. Where Airbnb is really trying to be like the home away from home, a place that feels nothing like home kind of works for Hilton Hotels because, you know, you want an experience that, maybe makes you forget about all the drama that's happening in your home. And so there was a statement that usually is said by the industry, but when you flip it, 
um, it actually worked. And so that's when I started to say, hang on a minute, I think that AI could help us here. You know, it's not, it required me, as you can see in that exercise, I used it to flip and I asked it to list 10 because I always think you need to have more than one. If you ask for one answer, it never works. You got to ask mm. for like list 10 different solutions. One of them was that um, a place that feels like home and then a place that doesn't feel like home. I had to do the final step of going, okay, what's the cultural context? Airbnb is trying to act like a home. And then I was like, no, Hilton could own this. And then I started thinking actually, you know, it's a luxurious experience. It'll transport you away from your problems, your everyday problems. And so that's when I really started to realize the power of GPT to actually do that heavy brain lifting at the start. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I, I like I think a lot of people see like ChatGPT and other like these large large language models as this you know black box that spits out stuff, but really it's like it's probabilistic language. So basically, what it does is trying to predict what words would you know work best based on the the word before that. And and I think what you're hinting at is that it's better at you know telling us what it or what people are already saying and and so for example cliches is great at that because it already knows that is that sentiment is out there and it basically writes sentences based on that it's harder to ask it to come up with totally new ideas out of the box because that's not what it's trained to do correct yeah that's and that's the power of it and i think a lot of people finished at that version one of like oh, this is a great tool to help me know what are the, you know, what not to do for mm. advertising. But really the, there was just another step we needed to ask it. We needed to kind of almost, it's almost like jailbreaking mm. um, chat GPT to get to the answers that you want because that's, yeah. that is what an insight is. It's the unconventional way of looking at it. And the second thing about that is it's, it's revealing something about ourselves. It's a revelation. So it needs to be true and GPT is never going to do that. That requires you to step in and be that truth, truth sayer or work out whether that can actually work or not. Yeah, I really love that. And, and maybe let's, let's zoom out a bit. Like, okay, so you had that moment where you realized, okay, this stuff can, can, can help me if I, if I prompt it correctly. Like looking at strategy, which is a, a, a big beast, like what are, some of the areas where you think uh, AI can really help? Yeah, so I like to use um, AI, I say, as, as you kind of use salt. With salt, when you're thinking about preparing a dish, use salt at the beginning. And now being in Portugal, we think of salt as curing cod. Uh, you know, it can really help at the start of a dish or food preparation to look after a dish. You never use salt in the middle of cooking. You use it at the end to add a bit of flavor and taste. And to me, that is what AI is as well. In your strategy process, you should be using it at the very beginning. So that's to gather research, to start prompting ideas, to start you looking at things in different ways. And then you use it at the very end when you're trying to improve your word craft, when you're trying to... Um, find the best words, find the best visuals for a presentation. And I think it can really help with word craft as well, especially 
for younger strategists who want to look at how to write better or, or give you some alternatives to how to write and make things more either simpler or more succinct and or more visual. So I think that that's where it can help as well. So it, at the beginning and the end of the strategy process, never use it in the middle. Never <laughs> use it for research or, I mean, never use it for research validation. Um, if you're trying to find uh, whether something is true or not, don't, that's not when you're using it. You're not trying to, and, and the other thing is, is everyone's kind of seen this gap is GPT will give you an answer no matter what. Uh, it's about you then cross-validating that answer. So if you're asking to find statistics on something, if you ask, you need to ask for a source or you need to uh, cross-validate whether those numbers are correct or not because uh, I've seen this too many times. People just take what they've seen straight off GPT and it's completely incorrect. Actually, um, my my wife did a, uh, a podcast interview with someone who read her bio um, and he got it off uh, ChatGPT, the bio, and it was uh, brands um, and artists she'd never worked with before. So it can be, um, yeah, don't use it as, you know, again, as a source of truth. Yeah, and, and I think that's super important. It's not it's not spitting out factual data. It's trying to predict words, um, which is, a, although I think in some new iterations, it's trying to look more at actual data and, and stuff like that. So I, I guess there's evolution in it, but uh, maybe let, let, let's zoom in at all those two parts. So the beginning part. So you said like, okay, you don't use it as an actual, you know, research validation tool. If you ask it to uh, spit out uh, the best competitor, hey, the top ten competitors, maybe also go go Google it and go ask it and find different data points. Like, but what is it really good for in the beginning of the of of a project? Like, uh, give maybe give some examples there. Yeah, so I think that to begin with, it probably can tell you what the internet is is saying are the kind of key consumer problems so if you're if you're about to do some qual research or if you're trying to put together a quantitative so a survey it can be really good for getting that early groundwork that we do so working out um what are the biggest consumer problems what do we think you know if you're trying to build a benefit ladder like a and this is what we often do we build we build a, a certain amount of knowledge around a, a topic, then we go and research that, and then we go in with hypotheses. I don't think you're ever using research, or you shouldn't be using, um, in, in a lot of cases, qual research to kind of just explore. You need to go in prepared. And so I think it can really help with that research. So what are, I like to build a benefit ladder out. So what are the features? What are the functional benefits? What are the emotional benefits? obviously not asking those questions. So you kind of make it into everyday language and then asking the consumer problem, seeing if any relate up the benefit ladder together. So I like to use it for things like that. I also use it as we were seeing before with like insights and insight generation yeah. um, tools like that. I, I will use it for things like what are other brands that are related to this, but again, you're not using it as the, um, the one source of truth. So there's those tools that I'm using for at the very beginning. 
if we then go to the other side, which is the WordCraft side and the end, this is when you're really trying to make your language um, two, two things I always say in strategy WordCraft. And, and I think the reason this has been probably easy for me is because I'm thinking about teaching all the time. So really, if you think about what GPT is, is you're taking a junior strategist and through prompts, you're trying to teach it to be a strategy director or, or a smart or at least a strategy partner who you can flip ideas off. So the other end that I use it for is strategy wordcraft. So if you put a sentence in and you ask it to, or a paragraph in and ask it to write it more succinctly or direct to the point, or then I've got some words that I, I like to use that can help me bring this to life. So, you know, asking it to rewrite it with creative wordplay seems to be one of my best tips. Creative wordplay just seems to be one of those words where it can bring to life um, in a better tone of voice than the uh, st- stock standard GPT voice. Uh, I've also got a number of, you know, I, I think at this stage, one of the most important things, if you're trying to make a strategy memorable and visual, you want to use analogies and metaphors. So you write in what the strategy is or, or the insight or the consumer problem, then ask for an analogy or metaphor that will help bring that to life. So I use it on that other end there as well. Yeah, super interesting. Like maybe when it comes to prompting, I, I think it's interesting to see like in mid journey, there's a lot of, you know, as you said, like these these words that people use to trigger out certain things. I'm wondering on on like when we when we're looking back at that beginning, do you also give chat GPT like a lot of data to work with or input or context to do you explain the whole situation before you start asking for generation of insights or is it more out of the box see what it comes up with i use it i i've used it out of the box some things like that's definitely where we're heading though Mm -hmm. and i've kind of hypothesized about this is like right now it's working off a pretty average data set um, when you ask it for things like insights but when we are able to take in the FE's database or the IPA database and then ask it, what's an insight or give me an insight. It, it may know how to write that language better in a strategy tone of voice. Obviously, there is a difference between an award paper and a strategy presentation, but that's way closer than asking for Google's understanding of what an insight is, which is, you know, you're taking from a number of different different areas but for me i like to um use fresh queries off it i will often start a new chat window with it to ask it because sometimes it can as you've probably seen if you keep prompting in the same uh, um in the same question window it will start to use the knowledge of what it's talked about before and you're really trying to bring in new thoughts to it so that's what i often do i also, the other big thing for me is at that research phase, you're really trying to list. So keep them short and sharp. So it's not so much, I'm not looking for the full um, uh, idea or, you know, like I'm not looking for the full idea or articulation of the idea. So what I do is often list in one sentence the problem, the insight. 
because I'm looking for mass generation of thoughts rather than one well thought out thought. Yeah, I love that. I'm just going to close the door, by the way, because there's some vacuuming going on. Just a second. No worries. Kathy? Ik ben aan het uh, podcast met mijn achters of zij hebben gedaan. En die komt er wel weer. Nog een keer met je tijd. All right. Uh, so, what, I, what I'm also curious at, I mean, we obviously you can use this like as a as a little sidekick, which I think is really awesome because a lot of strategists at, at a certain point do feel alone and which is why you created this community and everything around it but this is like the your little secret sidekick that you can you know just throw ideas off and i think that's great i'm wondering like have you noticed um any sensitivity around the fact that you that using this in in final presentations like let's say chat gpt comes up with a great insight or maybe even a, a campaign slogan like towards clients saying that a robot did it wrote it like do you think there's going to be issues down the line with that where, where clients are saying like hey i paid you for the, the, to do this not, not, not this robot so i think the way that i look at it is there's not much difference between you know the ads the way that we get inspiration from other sources so i don't know if you remember that that well you will remember the Heinz ad that we saw from um, them pouring in the bottles um, in the cafes. So that came from social listening, that ad. It wasn't an observation in a cafe or some beautiful thing. It actually just came from social listening. So as a client, we had no issue of, you know, hearing something on the internet that could be true, could not be true. Who knows? Someone could just be making that up. But obviously we know it was true because once we saw it, we're like, yes, that's so true. Uh, we had no issue with that. I've used in presentations, uh, custom, you know, an Amazon review. One of the, I was working for a competitor of Roomba and uh, one of the junior strategists I was working with at the time brought a review of um, Roomba to us which was Roomba acts like your drunk roommate trying to clean. And that was perfect for us because it was such a one and beautiful metaphor. Um, it's got a lot of tension in it because you think of drunk people, they're the last thing to a logical, um, you know, robot. So that, again, had nice tension from an insight point of view. It's a revelation. It's revealing something new. Um, and that was perfect for us because we were the competitor and the uh, robot vacuum cleaner that we were using was GPS located. So it would um, do it in a very logical pattern to your house. So it was something that actually solved or it re if we think about the last bit of an insight, it reframed the problem of being Roomba's lucky drunk roommate. Oh yeah, that's right. Maybe it's not cleaning that good to... Uh, reframe to the bigger problem, which was a kickoff point for uh, this robot vacuum cleaner brand. So that all started from a customer review on Amazon. We didn't have a problem with that. Now, if we think about, again, where we started with AI, 
AI is just working off a data set. It's, it's pulling from reviews, from Reddit, from, you know, from the, from as much of the internet as it can read. So it's no different from a starting place. I think what you're, you know, the other thing that we need to talk about, it's just predictive, predicting the next logical word in there. So for me, this is no different. It just feels weird because it's a new technology. It still takes our brain to work out, hang on a minute, like the Hilton example, you could look at that and be like, no, that means nothing. Oh, no, we want to feel like homes. It still takes the strategist to understand and pick it out as the curator. So you're probably playing now more of a curator role than the writer of everything, but you still need to understand what's good and what's bad. And I think that that is at least how um, I would see it working with, with clients. Now, there's also around um, things like mid journey, there's, you know, licensing pieces that we need to understand there. You know, you need a certain license to, um, to take things from mid journey, but also I don't, I, I, I don't think what we're talking about as strategists, you know, I was using mid journey and presentations to help bring things to life. I don't think this is the final piece of artwork that we're ever showing to um, clients. Hey. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and maybe to to bring that that last part, maybe let's talk a bit more about you know the the sell thing at the end. Like you you already mentioned, of of course, using Mid Journey. Like maybe if you could elaborate a bit on how you're using that in presentations or or other tools that you're using to 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 you know uh, really finish it off at the end. Yeah. So for me, it it comes back to those those tools that I want. So for me, it's been able to help shorten the amount of words that I use. So again, I will throw in a paragraph and then ask it to write a sentence and give me 10 different options for that. And then the other one is asking for metaphors for things of like, how do you describe this uh, process? And so I think even that salt um, analogy they were they were talking about cooking. I think I, I I think I even asked for an analogy of something where you're using it at the start and the end and never the middle. Give me ten metaphors for when this is, and it said cooking. And then I saw cooking, and I like, hang on, that's kind of interesting. But then I kind of put together salt, and I think mm. that's only from my past my personal experience because I've been like walking around Portugal all the time and seeing all this bloody salted cod everywhere and so i was thinking oh that's interesting because we use it at the start at the end so it, it, again it was like the sidekick who kind of kicked back and forth so it gave me 10 different analogies of at the start and the end but then it was only when i kind of had my own personal experience that i realized that it was going to be um that i thought salt was a better analogy than a, a, the the general one that it had for cooking yeah. so yeah so that's how I think it will really help with the word crafting at the end. I created this podcast to help myself and others understand the power of brand building without all of the BS. So here's three no BS guides from my friends at Creative Business Company that you can download for free to drive impact. The Brand Investment Blueprint outlines the exact process they use to convince skeptical executives to invest in brand building projects and campaigns how challengers can position for growth 
explains how brands can find and leverage their hidden advantage to create brand marketing that sells. And last, my favorite, how to build a big brand on a small budget, explores how to outsmart and overtake market leaders with more cost-effective marketing. Go to creativebusinesscompany.com staff to download your free guides today. That's creativebusinesscompany.com forward slash S-T-E-F to download your free guides today. Back to the podcast. Love that. Like, what are you most excited about looking forward? Like any things that you, you see that maybe now are still, you know, very bad beta uh kind of technology but where you think like that's gonna be if that ever goes in in a more polished state that will be amazing for me it's around getting it into better data sources so and and if those libraries open up which they probably won't maybe not uh the fe's the rpa um database award case you know card lines as well they've got they're sitting on so much data there that if we had it trained on that data, I'd love to see what type of responses that it would come back with. The other thing is, is could it help with that real research at the very beginning with legitimate sources? So at the moment, we're not dealing with legitimate sources when um, we ask it for a reference or a, a, a source. So could we get to a point where it could tell us, you know, for instance... If I'm looking for the market share of a sunglass brand and it actually gives me up-to-date information and is better at searching the internet than me um, and pulling those and pulling the background information that would used to take me, you know, like we all know this, four hours of, uh, you know, Googling um, to work out getting the business problem business goal, industry perspective, or the, even the four C's consumer category culture and company getting all that data set and getting all that data um, and pulling that data for us i think that will be really exciting for strategists and and will allow us to focus on what we need to which is being able to be the curator and and pick what's interesting and and craft that Uh, i i'm excited for that level of ai i also am just excited about the future um I feel like my, the start of my career was off uh, social media. So I originally wrote um, a honors thesis in 2007 on the uses and gratifications of Facebook. It started the year as MySpace and then ended as Facebook. And I and there I felt real excitement about something new. I was like blogging from 2006 about social media and there just felt like an excitement around it. And that really helped me at the start of my career that, that, you know, allowed me to jump up into different agencies and bigger roles than I probably um, would have deserved at that age, but it allowed a lot of opportunity. And, and I think with this new technology, I see that opportunity with AI as well. I haven't felt that excitement since social media. So um, the birth of social media and, and to me, that's exciting is and 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 i get excited when i'm i kind of go into something with open eyes and ears and um that's honestly where i'm what i'm feeling about ai at the moment i see it as an opportunity i know there's a lot of limitations but i see 
I see the benefit of it as well mm. for our industry. Yeah, same here. Like maybe for people listening that are like, oh, okay, this this got me thinking. Maybe I, I do want to at least start playing around with it. Like what are some of the biggest mistakes you think uh, strategists or, or marketers can make starting to dabble in this stuff? I think ask and you need to understand the theory of what you're looking for before you go and ask it because it's going to give you the most generic, general, average answer. So you need to know what your line of questioning is asking and whether you're going to get to what you want. So I think the beginning is like if we take the insights one, the insight piece is like if you ask directly, it's going to give you very general answers, which is the opposite of what an insight is. So it can't generate insights. But a couple of the other prompts that I, I like to use around insights is um, list 10 uh, shower thoughts about this topic or list 10, um, tell me 10 one-liners that Dimitri Martin would say about this <laughs> problem or brand. And those two, I've really thought about why I'm asking those in a very intentional way. So our shower thoughts is another way of saying insights, but it's a very small, it's it's how we would define insights as and in the advertising community because the word insights is used everywhere. Where in advertising, what we're thinking about, again, is those revelations, those things that everyone looks at, but we look at it from a different perspective. And so our shower thoughts, Reddit shower thoughts is a whole um, whole subreddit dedicated to that. So it knows the type of language and it knows the way to write the counterintuitive thought. So the other, so that's why I use that language there. Then Dimitri Martin, um, comedians, they deal in insights. That's the whole thing that they're doing. They're setting up a common held belief. So they're getting everyone on the same page and they, and they shatter that belief. And then that's what that tension creates the laughter. And so someone like Dimitri Martin, uh, really specific, um, really sharp in his wording. So using him as a starting point is a really great place to start. And so I think knowing, you know, not just going, tell me an insight about this audience, you'll get really disappointed with the answers. But if you do that, list 10 R shower thoughts, or list 10, uh, I mean, list 10 one-liners from Demetri Martin, you're going to get closer. And again, when you get the answers back, nine out of 10 are going to be rubbish. You never, you can't use them. Then there's going to be the one which you personally will pick out and say it's good. Yeah, that's super smart. I, I, I remember like telling ChatGPT, like imagine you're an old Japanese philosopher. I just, that sentence, like I don't know why I was thinking about it, but it was like totally different type of answers that I got before that, a lot more inspired. So I think that that part is really on you, like immersing yourself and, and trying out different stuff. And that's the difference between just saying, hey, give me uh, 10 good insights and plug them in your keynote and you're, you're, you're done. So I think that, that that's very interesting. Maybe like zooming out a bit, like we, we talked a lot about, you know, using this AI stuff and strategy, but looking at the broader field of, of marketing or, or advertising, like 
how do you see that evolve? Like you, you've been involved probably in big campaigns and in the production. We just recently saw Coca-Cola, I think, using like, I think AI video in some parts of their ads. And there's, you know, there's probably MidJourney being used and, and other stuff. Like how do you see that evolve? Yeah, I think a lot of the uh, low-level tasks are going to be replaced by um, AI. I could definitely see a world where that happens. So, for instance, when we are in creative agencies, no one was really interested in writing banner ads and, you know, they were quite generic in their format as how we, ha- how we wrote them. But it took a long time to design them, concept them, bring them up. I could imagine a world where that type of low, you know, grunt work is going to be taken out of this industry. I think there are going to be massive ramifications for um, some people's job and and how they. That's just the it's the reality, which is really sad. But um, things like editing now, I'm sure you've seen the podcasting editing software that takes out the ums and ahs and cuts it all together and puts the video, splices videos. That was someone's video editing job before. Now, the smart thing will be to work out, okay, what's the stuff that's not being touched? What's the creative and um, stuff that we can, that AIs can't touch? I don't think it's going to be concepting new ads for us that we're going to say, yes, that's it. But we're going to have to play more of the creative director role rather than you know, the concepts, it'll be, it'll be easier to come up with concepts than it was before, but working out what's a great concept versus what's average or trash is is going to be the role in creative agencies. So I see ramifications there. Um, you'd, yeah, I'd be silly not to think that there are going to be massive changes to people's jobs uh, based on this technology. And and that and that is an issue, but it's understanding how to use it is is the most important thing. Like if you if you're concerned about it, it's like work out how it's going to how it can supplement or complement what you're currently doing and, and make you better at your job rather than just replacing your job. Yeah, love that. And and I think I mean we can we can start wrapping it up, but uh, I just want to say thank you for putting all of that stuff out there. I know you put a lot of great content out there for people like beginning strategists, but also experienced strategists to to just go and, and dig into. So that that's really amazing. And maybe for the people listening that want to discover all of your all of your stuff, where can they go and what can they do? Yeah. So the strategyfinishingschool.com is where I teach uh, the fundamentals, as I was saying, the fundamentals of strategy. And also give strategists, it's kind of my 15 years of assets and resources that I use that will save you time in your job. And it's taken from uh, all, all the education that I wished I had before. And I try to make it short, sharp, very visual with lots of examples. So if you go to the strategy finishing school, that's where a lot of people have signed up of all um all seniority in their strategy journey and and uh, you can sign up there and the four uh, kind of people who listen to Let's Talk Branding, I've got a um, offer which is 25% off the strategy finishing school 
Um, and all you have to use is the code LTB2023. So check that out. Um, if you like it, um, sign up and send me an email. Let me know. And I'm happy to kind of take you through what's in there and uh, what's not. You can see also I've got uh, Trustpilot is where kind of the third party that most people put reviews on. So you can see the reviews there of um, how people have used strategy finishing school and as i said i'm always updating the strategy finishing school so the ai has been a new thing so i've got a number of prompts that you can ask similar to the ones we've talked about today to get two answers and i'm really thinking about how can you complement your job and, and how can it really help you be better at your job so i'm excited to continue building that out so i just built out a bit around gpt and we didn't um mid journey so there's a lot of information in there too. But if you've got out any questions, feel free to email me too at julian at strategyfinishingschool.com as well. Look, lovely. I will put all of that stuff in the show notes. Thanks so much for being on the show, Julian. Excellent. Thank you for having me back again. All right. That was it for this episode. Uh, please go check out the links uh, in the show notes. and You can get the discount Julian mentioned and check out some of his other amazing free content. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please give me a review on iTunes or subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. And if you're interested in learning more about Brad's strategy, visit branding.courses. Take care. <laughs>